Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the Res Life Big Rapids podcast. We're glad you found us, and we hope this message helps shape you into something that looks like Christ. Now let's listen in. This month we've been studying what? Love, okay? We've been talking about love. And, uh, and more specifically, we've been studying what Jesus meant when he said, love one another just as I have loved you. Love one another just as I have loved you. And if you remember from a few weeks ago, uh, we talked about how controversial this, this statement was, about how, how what was, when Jesus said this, how, how it like, like rocked everybody's world. Back in Jesus' day, there really weren't any teachings about love, about loving one another. Um, and in fact, the way that Jesus made this statement was he did it in such a way that would have ruffled the feathers or, or you know, put off people who were both Jewish and people who were Roman or Gentiles or you know, non-Jewish people. Like Both groups of people would have been upset. And so you might be wondering why they'd be upset. Well, let me read it to you. It's in, uh, it's in John 13, 34. And then I want to talk about real briefly why this statement that Jesus made about loving one another would have ruffled people's feathers. So John 13, 34 says this, a new command. Say a new command. A new command, a new command I give you, love one another as I, or, or as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, uh, you might be wondering, why would that statement bother anybody? Why would, that seems like a great thing to do. Well, first off, uh, Jesus opens it up with this statement, a new command. And he's a, he's a rabbi. I mean, he's a, he's a Jewish leader. And so when he says a new command, all of the Jews for 2,000 years have been living by these specific commands that were given to Moses. The Ten Commandments and the other 600 or so laws that, that were laid out back with Moses. And so, the, so for somebody to come in and say, I'm going to give you a new command, seems totally like totally unacceptable. If you think about it, this guy, Jesus, is is saying that he has as much authority as God himself to change the commands that we live by. So if you were a Jewish person, you would have been pretty upset by this statement. On the flip side, if you were a Gentile or a non-Jewish, this is the word that they use for anybody who was not Jewish, um, there was no even concept of loving people. Love was not a thing back then. Actually, in the same time frame that Jesus was talking about loving one another, uh, in Rome, there was the Colosseum where they were celebrating death and persecution. People would flock to the city to watch people literally murder each other in an arena, and they would, lo- they would love, <laughs> funny word, right? They would enjoy that. They would, it was not about caring about somebody else or, or, or caring for your neighbor or anything like that. So they're like, this is totally a totally foreign idea to them. This idea of loving somebody. And, and in fact, in the Roman Colosseum, there were, the, during some of their festivals, there, there were times where in one, in one like, basically nonstop session of battle in the Colosseum, 20,000 people were killed. They watched 20,000 people die in one, in one session. There was a, another festival where they brought in and they killed over 100,000 animals in a one-week period in there. They, they celebrated persecution and death, right? And so... So this idea, again, of Jesus saying love one another, like to them was a completely foreign concept. They didn't value life the way that, that we think we value life more, and they definitely didn't value life the way that God values life. And so, so Jesus, really, when he makes this statement, he's like changing the whole dynamic, not just of the Jewish culture, but of all culture, culture that was happening back in that day. And, uh, and, 
And to be honest with you, I think our culture has actually broken down so much that we're kind of, again, like the people of Rome. That really, we don't, we don't see value in other people very often unless they're like one of our family members or our spouse or, or, or a loved one, loved one of some kind. We just don't see value in people. And the concept of loving somebody you don't even know or loving someone you don't agree with is totally foreign to us today. Like we, we, it's like we can't even really comprehend what it means to love somebody else the way that Jesus loved us. And uh, we, I think we need to go back to what, uh, to what Jesus commanded. I think we need to like take a trip back in time and, and back to what Jesus commanded us to, to live like, to love one another. And uh, so the question we have to look at, what we've been kind of working our way towards over the last couple of weeks, is what did Jesus really mean when he said the words, love one another just as I have loved you. Like, what does that word love really mean? Today I want to talk about that. We've talked about a couple other kinds of loves, and I'll, and I'll mention those real briefly. But I want to talk about what, what Jesus meant when he said, love one another the way I've loved you. So before we get in there, let's, uh, let's pray and let's ask God to be in, in the midst of all of this. Father, thank you so much for each and every person that's here. God, I thank you that... Uh, I thank you that, that you love each person, Lord, that each one of these people in this place has great value to you. And God, I just pray that as we get into your word, that you lead us today, that you speak to our hearts. Give us ears that hear, hearts that understand, and minds that desire, desire to live like you and to live for you. And God, let the words that I share today not be my words, but be the words that you need me to say. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. 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 So in English, we have only one word for love. What is that word? Love. That was easy, right? That was the, that was the, that's a freebie today. So in English, we only have one word for love, but in other languages, there are multiple words for love. And in, like in our language, we have to pair two words together. So like romantic love or brotherly love or like friendship type love. Like we have to explain what kind of love it is. But, but the problem is, is when that word is used in scripture, the word love, they don't pair it with something else. It's just translated directly from a number of different Greek words. And, uh, and because there's different kinds of love. Like, I love summer means something different than I love my kids, right? And, uh, and the truth is, nobody loves snow days anymore. <laughs> Not even your children. Not even your children. The other night, I was putting our kids to bed, and my son's like, Dad, can you please pray that there would be school tomorrow? And, and, and then I'm like, should I pray that? Like, I'm going to be honest. Like, should, I know that they're probably not going to have school tomorrow. And if I pray that and it doesn't come true, is it going to break my kids' like, trust in God? I'm like, please, Lord. <laughs> like, please, for the love of God, right? <laughs> Let there be. See what I did there? For the love of God. I'm talking about God's love. Um, in the same way, God's love is completely different than romantic love or brotherly love or anything like that. So we've taken the last few weeks to talk about love. And last week we talked about two different kinds of love, two different specific words that are found in the Greek language. In, in the Greek, they're called phileo and eros love. Remember phileo fish and, uh, and eros like bows and arrows, right? They're phileo and eros. You're like, why do you do that? Because you'll remember it. Um, so I want to just quickly talk about those two kinds of love, and then, then we're going to move on. So the first one we talked about is phileo love. Phileo love is really like enjoyment of something 
or really liking someone or something or, or whatever. It's, it's phileo love. Um, I used a scripture from Matthew. It was in Matthew 10, 37, and it says this. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me, this is Jesus talking, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And this, immediately when we read this, because we are thinking in English, we think that, that like, really? This seems weird. Jesus would tell us not to love our family. But the truth is, and what we have to remember, is that when Jesus said this, he wasn't speaking in English. He was speaking in a different language, a language where he would have said the word phileo, or that's the way it was interpreted, was, was phileo. He would have said, if anyone phileos their mom or dad or their son or daughter more than me, then, then they're not worthy of me. So those people right there in that instant would have totally understood. He wasn't talking about love. He was talking about more like enjoys them or prioritizes them higher than me. They're more important than anything when, when you're talking about phileo love. And so, so we have to, we, there's, there's you know, a breakdown in the translation. And so it's not wrong to phileo your family. That sounds really terrible. To love your family. But it is wrong to, to focus, enjoy, or desire them or prioritize them higher than God. Really, again, you could say that phileo love is a priority kind of love. And, and so, so that, was, that was phileo. The second one we talked about was eros love. Eros love is really equivalent to intimate love. And uh, turn to your valentine, turn to your loved one and be like, I eros you. <laughs> it's like a guttural sound when you say it. Eros you. I just saw somebody looking longingly at their... Valentine, and the Valentine wasn't even looking at him. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is the kind of love that society thinks of when they think of The Bachelor. Uh, and so, you guys didn't even catch that. When, uh, this, this is like what people think of a romantic love, and I'd like to give you an update. Remember last week I so ashamedly admitted that I, I, I watched The Bachelor uh, the, the week before, and there was the girl, remember her title was Never Been Kissed. I would just like you all to know this week they've updated her title. It is Has Been Kissed. So, Good for her. She still apparently doesn't have an occupation. So, uh, so this is what society thinks of when they think of intimacy or romance or sexuality. And this word, again, is not actually in your Bible translated into the word love. It was. It was there. But uh, they have gone in uh, what, they would, what the historians consider modern uh, tra- translators went back in and they changed those words uh, into like sexual immorality or lust or impurity because of the Bible's stance on purity and on sexual morality. That really this word means something that's only meant to be in marriage. Um, and so Eros love is, is intimate love. So, uh, so, by the way, in reality, Jesus did not use either of those words when he said, love one another the way I have loved you. He didn't use those. The Greek word that was used when John recorded Jesus sharing his new commandment was agape, agape love. Agape love is, is what we call God's love. Okay, that's not the only explanation I'm going to have you fill out for it. It's not, uh, I know that's not a great explanation because what is God's love? I want to talk about that today. 
I want to take the rest of our time to break down what, what it is. Agape. So, uh, so anyway, how many of you have seen Finding Nemo? Uh, you remember the part where uh, they go to the, the, the shark support group? Right. Bruce the shark. And, uh, and Bruce, Bruce smells a little bit of, uh, of Dory's blood and then begins to chase them all over the boat. And everything's going on. And they end up in this room. And Bruce is banging against the, the door. And they see, uh, and the mask ends up, or, or no, not the mask. Sorry, I keep thinking the mask. But they got to get out of there. And, and Dory reads the door. And she goes, escape. She goes, that's kind of spelled like escape, right? So everybody say, escape. Now everybody say agape, and now you'll remember it. Agape. What is agape love? Turn to your neighbor and say agape. Finding Nemo. Anyway, defined agape love is perfect, unconditional sacrificial, and pure. This term, agape, defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. Okay, Let me, let me read you the definition of agape again. It is, it is agape love is perfect, unconditional, sacrificial, and pure. Okay? Now I want to break down some of these things and, and talk about what they look like when, when you're receiving agape love from God and when you're giving agape love the way that God tells us to. Okay, so we're going to go through these today. So agape love, the first one, agape love is unconditional love. Unconditional love. And uh, I want to use a scripture uh, in, from the book of Romans to explain what agape love really is and, and how it is unconditional. Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love, his own agape. Everybody say agape. God, and that's the word that was written here originally, okay? Agape was the word, not the word love. God demonstrates his own agape love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were guilty, Christ died for us. While we deserve death, he died instead. Continues there. Verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? In other words, there is no more saving that you can do than to be saved by the sacrifice that Jesus made unconditionally for us. So, in verse 10 it says this. I love this. It says, for if while we were God's what? Enemies. While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled through him. Through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? In other words, through, so, so God's, he died on the cross, but he didn't stay there, right? No, if he had just died on the cross, the story would have been over. But the fact that he lived is how we receive our redemption. But, but I want to point something out in there. In verse 10 it says, For while we were God's enemies. How many times in the Bible, I actually haven't looked it up, I don't know, but you hear, love your enemies, right? Jesus says it over and over. Love your enemies, love your enemies, love your enemies, love your enemies. And then what Jesus literally does when he goes to the cross is he loves his, because we were his enemies. We were his enemies. We, we lived contrary to what he says. And he loved us that much. So, 
So God's kind of love is not a love that has conditions attached to it, okay? Now, I want to be really clear. I've tried to explain this every week of this three-week series, that the Old Testament law and rules were conditional. So the Old Testament covenant, the covenant that we see that God has with his people throughout all of the Old Testament until Jesus uh, does what he does on the cross, that, that those rules were conditional. You must follow me. You must do these things. You, must, you have to do all of this. And on the condition that if you do those things, then you'll be blessed. Or if you don't do those things, you'll be cursed. Okay, so the Old Testament covenant, the rules, were conditional. And this is the thing that, that frustrates me so much, is that we as a Christian society, we are still trying to use the old conditional laws and rules and apply them to our current unconditional relationship with God. You can hear a pin drop. It's like silence. <laughs> do, you get, do you get what I'm trying to say is that, that the Old Testament covenant was conditional, but the, the covenant we have with Jesus is one that is, is covered with his love, his unconditional love. And, and here maybe is the bigger problem is that we're trying to take these conditional laws and apply them on people who don't even have a relationship with God. We're so busy with our Bibles in the, in the first part of our Bibles going, oh, look at, look at my, my kids or my spouse or my family or my friends or my coworkers. Look at you're a sinner. When really what we should be doing is spend a little bit more time in the second half of our Bible going, oh, look at them. They matter to God. They, they matter to God. God's love is unconditional. Let me, let me put it this way. For you to have become a Christian, somebody had to be willing to look past your past and say that you were worth it to Jesus. When Jesus says to agape, love one another, he means to look past the past because it's unconditional. That's what he did. Your past, my past, it was, we were enemies with God. We were sinful. We were evil. And he said, I don't care about the past. I'm not going to hold on to this. I'm not going to put conditions on what you've done. Instead, I'm going to love you. That was number one. That was number one. Number two, agape love is pure love. Everybody say pure love. Pure love. Mm. What does this mean? What does it mean to have pure love? Or what does pure love look like? It means it's the kind of love that's given with no ulterior motives. God is not some master in the sky who wants you to, to be his slave here on earth, oppressed, chained down, dragging weight along because, you, you know, because you're, you're his property. Now, I know you've heard messages that talk about how I want to be a slave for God. I want, I want to be his property. You've probably heard some of those things if you've been to any kind of church in, in any part of your life. But the fact of the matter is, is that God's love is not, you, you, he, he is your, your ruling master and you are a slave to him. I know that you may have heard it that way, and you may have had a pastor say it in a positive way. No, what the reality is, is that God's love is a pure love that doesn't have a whole bunch of strings attached. God's not trying to rope you into serving him so that he can, he can you know, be some grandmaster. God loves you because he sees value in you. He sees you because you are valuable to him. Why does he see value in you? Because he put value into you when he created you. 
Now, I, I want to be, this is really interesting. I was listening to, um, I was listening to a pastor's message just yesterday while I was running on the treadmill, and he was explaining a lot of pagan religions. And now, if you look back in all of the different religions that are out there, all of them, at the creation story, creation of man, man was always made to be a slave or a servant or, or a savage, like, like in every one of them. Greek mythology, in, in Hinduism, in all the different... God, God did not make man with value. He made him to be a slave to the king. Okay? The only religion in the world ever where people were made with value in them, so much value that God wanted relationship with them, was Christianity. Okay? Judaism, Christianity, same God. Like, God, God when he, he desires relationship with you, not because he wants to pull your strings and you, you to just be a puppet, but because he loves you and he sees value in you. Because you matter to him. Because he created you special. With a purpose. We see that right after Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis, we see right, right after that, God is immediately trying to, to put together a, a redemption plan for them. Why? Because he's been separated from them, and he, he values them so much that he wants to be able to be back together with them. He'll cross the ocean. He'll go around the world. He'll do whatever he has to do. He'll send his son to die. He'll sacrifice his kid so that he could have you back. He values you that much. Why, why would he do this? Why wouldn't he just wipe us off the face of the planet and start over, right? Because we are valuable to him. There's a great example of this in the book of Jeremiah. Now, I want to be clear. This was written to, or this was what Jeremiah wrote that, the, that God had said about him. But it also speaks to what God has done with us. Jeremiah 1, verse 4 and 5 says this. The word of the Lord came to me, to Jeremiah, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, now this is talking about Jeremiah, and this is not, this is not talking about you specifically, okay? Because you might not have been prepared to be a prophet by God before you were born. But what it does say, since Jeremiah is a human who was created just like you and I, is that we were not formed because of our mom and dad. We were formed by God. And that before we were ever conceived here, God was putting us together, not here, in heaven. That he put us together specifically so that we could come to, to this earth and fulfill not only his purpose, but our purpose. So that his kingdom could come and so could ours. So we could fulfill a destiny that he has for us that would fulfill him and fulfill us. Now again, you might not be, you, you might not be formed to be a prophet, but I promise you, God made you with a plan and a purpose. And that's why he values you. Is because he's the one who puts you together. We all, we, anybody in this place who has kids, you know how much you value your kids. You do anything for your kids. Why? Because you created them. But you didn't. God did. So think, but think about that. Think about that. That God created each one of us. You would do anything. You value them so highly. God values each of you in the same way. He loves you. Agape. No hidden motives. Jesus just makes it clear that we each have a purpose, that, that those things aren't hidden from us. God's not going to like you know, do an end around on you when you're not expecting it. It's already laid out. It's clear. So, can you, so the question is, you can receive that love from God, but can you give that love to other people?
Can you love other people like unconditionally? Can you love other people in a way where there's no ulterior motives? Where it's not about what you get out of the relationship, it's just, I love that person because they're valuable. Whether they agree with me or not, they, they matter. So there's another part to agape love. It's the third piece is agape love is sacrificial love. It's, it's right in this, this scripture that the whole series has been about. John 13, 34, it's where my Bible's turned right now. Is, is, it says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So when we think of the way that Jesus loved us, we think of his death on the cross, we think about that sacrifice that he made, but, but remember, when he's speaking to the disciples, and, and he says that, I mentioned this in the earlier weeks of this, that he hadn't died on the cross yet. So when he says to them, love other people the way I've loved you, they don't think, oh, you died on the cross, you gave your life for us. That's not what they think. They think about the fact that he loved them regardless of their past. He looked past their past, right? He, 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 really, so far, they hadn't experienced a huge sacrificial love in the way that we think of it, but Jesus was sacrificial even before, even before he, he went to the cross. Let me explain this to you. Uh, he sacrificed everything to have this group of guys with him. Okay, now, if Jesus really wanted to walk onto the scene as a rabbi who mattered, gain attention right away, he would have went to the synagogue, and he would have gotten uh, the, the best new recruits, the best disciples, the, train, the rabbis in training, to follow him around. And when he would have walked through cities, people would have flocked to him, not just because of who he was, but because, man, he must be something if he's got these you know, the, the A-team, when he's got, he's got his superheroes of, of rabbis to be following around wanting to learn from him. And instead, Jesus doesn't go to the synagogue and get people. He goes and gets fishermen and tax collectors and people who actually, if he walks through the streets of the city with these guys behind, behind him, it, people are going to run into their houses and close the doors because they don't want to be around those people. Like, so Jesus really from the beginning was sacrificing, showing sacrificial love because he didn't walk into his ministry with a status symbol of look at all the people that I've got with me. He walked into his ministry with a status symbol of only those losers follow that guy. And, and so he sacrificed from the beginning. So when he says, Love, you know, as I loved, you know, you love other people, he's talking to people who, who go, you're right, you cared about me even though I'm a mess. You care about me even though I cheated people. You cared about me even though other people didn't want to be around me. And, he, and you, not only that, but you said, come be with me all the time. Jesus, Jesus' love was sacrificial. And of course, shortly after this, they would see what it really meant above and beyond to sacrifice. And they would, they would see what it was all about. But he was telling them in the moment, be willing to sacrifice your own self, your own position, and your own status to love people. I mean, Jesus is the ultimate example of this. 
We see all these people talk, you know, or all these scriptures and story of Jesus talking about how he hung out with the prostitutes and the tax collectors and all that stuff. Now, now, let me give you again some context. A Jewish person, by a Jewish law, could not even go into a Gentile home, a home of a person, or a building owned by somebody who was not a Jew. You couldn't. In fact, we read about it later. Peter, one of the disciples, by the way, one of the guys that we think is so great, not till way after, 30 years after Jesus died on the cross, he, we, we read about how for the first time ever he walks into a Gentile home and he walks in and goes, I shouldn't even be here because I'm a Jew. Jesus is like, forget the status of Jew, I'm going in there because those people need to know that they're loved. Jesus was the ultimate example of sacrificing his status, sacrificing his position, and ultimately sacrificing his life for people just to show him that he loved him. I think, uh, I think of the greatest, like one of the greatest laws of leadership that's ever been thought of or written down or anything is this. As a leader, you should never ask someone to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. And Jesus, he exhibited that law of leadership to the max. To the max. And he says, he says, live by my example. This is the last time I get to read this scripture in this series. And uh, so I want to read it to you one more time. John 13, 34, 35 says this. It says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If... You love one another. I don't know if you've ever caught this, but I do a lot of things intentionally that people don't even notice, um, which is okay. Uh, in the beginning prayer of every service we ever do, I say, God, help us to live like you. And I think like sometimes if you're a new visitor, that, that seems like a really, really tough thing to do. Help us to live like God? Whoa, how am I supposed to live like God? I say it every week because it's true. Jesus would say, live like me. Because he did say it. He said, live like me. Love like me. And I wanted to just say this. If we would wrap our minds around loving people unconditionally with a pure motive, no ulterior motives, and sacrificially, that we could, this group of people, I'm not even talking about all of our services worth of people. This group of people in this room right now, if we applied agape love to every interaction, everything that we did in the city of Big Rapids in a very short time, I would even challenge you that within a month's time, we could transform this entire city for God. That the vast majority of people in this city would have made a decision to follow Jesus and to love Jesus and to love like Jesus if we, just this group of people, would go out there and show agape love to everybody. How do you love people? Do you see them with the value that God has for their life? Can you look past the past? Would you be willing to sacrifice your status, your position, your popularity to let somebody else know how valuable they are, how much they matter? It's a good question. And it's a tough one to answer. 
because we're so caught up in the things of every day. We're so caught up in, in our own lives. We're so caught up in making our own identity great that we miss out. We miss out on chances to love people. We fall into routines of sin. We fall into routines of it's all about me. We need to be reminded sometimes that the love that Jesus tells us to live is this kind of love, agape love, unconditional, pure, sacrificial. And those three things are what make agape love perfect, a perfect love. Now, I want to just say this. I know that there's people here right now who feel like, like their life's a mess. You think, that, what's the point of all of this? I, you know, there's a lot of people who, who've raised their hand and they've said a prayer asking Jesus into their life. And they're like, and I'm just living here. I'm just walking around and, and I don't feel the love of God. And, and this is what's so, I think, extraordinary about the love of God is that it, it is agape. It is unconditional. It's pure. It's, it's sacrificial. But what is maybe, maybe the most amazing thing about it is that it's your choice to accept it. It's your choice to live it. And it's your choice to apply it. God did all of this knowing, knowing that it would still be up to you to decide if you wanted it to be part of who you are. And he allowed you to make that choice. So if you're here today and you're like, I don't know if I'm feeling it, I would say, have you applied it? Have you, your, your identity, what is it that makes you you? Is it the fact that you have your job or your spouse or your kids or your house or your car? Or is it the fact that you are loved by a father who says you're so valuable that I would send my son to die for you? That I created you with a purpose and I've got a direction for your life better than your own direction. Where's your identity found? Where is your joy found? Where is your peace found? Where is, where is your gumption to go through life found? Is it found in how good you are or is it found in the fact that God says you're good enough? That's what, that's what God's love is all about. This is what it means to be a disciple. My last statement of the series. Get off your soapbox and go love people. <laughs> We need, to, we need to get off our soapbox of Christianity. We need to go out and we need to live like Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. God, you know the people in this room who don't feel loved. You know the people in this room who don't feel good enough. You know the people in this room who made a decision sometime in their life saying that they'd make you Lord, but they don't feel like they've ever in their heart, really done it. God, I pray that right now you're speaking to their heart about how much you value them, about how much you love them, about how you put them together before they were ever put together physically on this earth. And that, that when they were made, they were made in your image to love like you and to live like you and to make a difference like you. And God, I pray that you'll motivate us motivate us who have your love in our lives to, to not just keep it captive, but to spread it out and to give love to other people. Agape love. With everybody's eyes closed, if you're here today 
and you feel like you're missing out on God's love, but you want it in your life today, what I'm here to tell you is that you need Jesus as Lord of your life. If you feel like your life is worthless or broken or complicated or, or you're in the valley of situational living, that, that I'm here to tell you today you need Jesus because he is the channel that God can put love into your life through. If you want to know about your eternity, if you want to know that you're going to heaven, you need Jesus. And you know what? It's all about eternity, but it's not about eternity because it can start right now in your life and through your life. And if you'll apply God's love to your life and to other people, you will see transformation happen. So if that's you and you know you need Jesus, with everybody's eyes closed right where you're at, just lift your hand up. If you know you need Jesus today, awesome. Some of the ushers just handed you an envelope. Just put it on your lap. You can look at it later. As well, if you're watching online, doesn't matter where you're at. If you know you need Jesus, lift your hand up. I can't see your hand, but God can see your heart. Awesome. So the Bible's really clear on the process of choosing Jesus and making him Lord of your life. The first thing is that we need to confess with our mouth or make a declaration of our trusting and our faith in him. But that comes from a place where we believe in our heart that he rose from the dead, that he really is God. If he had just died on the cross, he'd just be another guy that died on the cross. But what's significant is that he proved he was God when he rose from the dead and made it possible for us to have new life. So we're going to say a prayer together all together, and we're going to welcome you into the family of Christ. So why don't we just pray this prayer together? Say this with me. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross, defeat the grave, and to rise again so that I could be saved. I was a sinner, and I have needed forgiveness. Thank you for forgiveness. Today I choose to make Jesus Lord of my life, to allow him to lead me, to allow him to speak to me, and to love others the way that you have loved me. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. 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 Thanks again for tuning in today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can check us out online at rlcbr.org. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in the iTunes store or your podcast feed. We love you and remember to always reach up, reach in, and reach out. Have a great week.